Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers. And most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Elisa Childers podcast, where we equip Christians to identify the core beliefs of historic Christianity, discern its counterfeits, and proclaim the gospel with clarity, kindness, and truth. And we are going to continue to do that even while I'm on sabbatical and not recording full-length episodes until after the new year. But as we were going through some old content, we realized that there were some posts that only went out to a select group of listeners. And many of you, if you've been following the podcast for the past two or three years, have not heard these posts. And these are short answers to tough theological and apologetics questions. So we're going to be bringing a new one to you every day during sabbatical. Here's today's. Recently, a reader emailed me and suggested a book called Living the Question, The Wisdom of Progressive Christianity. With progressive Christianity being my main topic of research, I was excited to learn that it's the first and only comprehensive survey on progressive Christianity, and it's written by progressive Christians. I downloaded it to my Kindle immediately and dove right in. I was not the least bit surprised that the book began with the idea that spiritual maturity requires one to embrace one of the ironclad progressive Christian dogmas. Questions are way more important than answers. Then, ironically, an entire chapter was devoted to giving the definitive answer, in the affirmative, to the question of whether or not the creation accounts in Genesis 1 and 2 contradict each other. This is an old skeptical claim that progressive Christians have latched onto, but it's worth discussing because it could be a stumbling block to some Christians who haven't thought about it before. The book puts it like this, quote, Genesis begins with two distinctive creation stories that are impossible to synthesize or string together into consecutive events with any integrity, end quote. It goes on to claim that the two accounts were written by different authors and that the order of events don't line up. I'll discuss each of these ideas in turn. Number one, different stories with different authors. Early Jewish and Christian traditions held that the majority of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, were associated with Moses. But in the early 1800s, European Old Testament scholars began to seriously challenge this accepted paradigm. 
Near the end of the 1800s, a theory called the Documentary Hypothesis was introduced. This basically taught that the Pentateuch was written by four or more authors, editors, who lived long after Moses, and that the supernatural events it records are not historical. Other than an obvious anti-supernatural bias, there were two main reasons for these conclusions. First, there were some stylistic differences in the text, and second, God is called by different names in various portions. For example, in Genesis chapter 1, God is referred to as Elohim, and in chapter 2, he is called Yahweh. Skeptical scholars saw this as evidence that the two chapters were written by two different people, leading them to conclude these must be two separate creation accounts. However, conservative scholars believe that Genesis 1 and 2 are two sections of the same cohesive whole, and that Moses used these two different names to make a point. Genesis 1 provides a more broad and chronological description of the creation days, using the more general term for the powerful creator God, Elohim. Genesis 2 is a more focused look at the sixth day of creation, and expounds more upon what happened as humans were created, placed in the garden, and began relationship with God. This may be why Moses used God's personal name here, Yahweh. Regarding stylistic differences, it's not unusual for an author to vary their style depending on the content of what they're writing. As a writer, I know from personal experience how true this is. In my blog writing, I try and stay as condensed and succinct as I possibly can. I don't tend to tell a lot of detailed personal stories or get too deep in the weeds of different objections and counter-objections. For example, entire books have been written on the differences between the creation accounts, and I'm trying to cover the basics in under 1,500 words. However, currently, I'm writing a couple of chapters for an upcoming apologetics book, and I've had to totally rethink the way I write. For the book, my writing style is not aimed at a general audience like my blog, but is written directly to Christian moms. Thus, it is much more personal, and I write in the casual voice I use when I talk to my mom friends in real life. Because the chapters are about three times as long as a blog post, I can include a lot more humor, stories, and details. I can see how someone might even wonder if my blogs and book chapters were written by two different people. In the same way, the first five books of the Old Testament cover all kinds of different material. It would be natural for an author to use one style for writing history, one for writing about different laws and penalties, and another when describing the intricate details of the sacrificial system. But the most powerful evidence for Mosaic authorship, in my opinion, is the evidence within the Bible itself. The Pentateuch itself claims this in Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, along with other Old Testament authors such as Joshua, Ezra, and Daniel. In the New Testament, Peter and Paul refer to Moses as the author of the Pentateuch, as well as Jesus himself, in all four Gospels. Number two, contradicting stories. The only way these two accounts can be seen as contradictory is to assume they're both meant to be understood as a chronological treatment of the creation narrative. But as I stated above, a cursory reading will show that Genesis 1 is a broad, chronological, helicopter-style flyover of the creation account, even listing the actual creation days in numerical order. And Genesis 2 zooms in for a closer look at day 6. Please don't take my word for it. Take a moment and read it for yourself. Even with this in mind, people still get tripped up on some details. The book I mentioned at the beginning even lists these quote-unquote contradictions in a handy chart. Here is one of the most common and most difficult ones. Genesis 1.11 Then God said, Let the earth produce vegetation, 
seed-bearing plants, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and it was so. Genesis 2.5, no shrub of the field had yet grown in the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. Upon first glance, Genesis 1 seems to be saying that vegetation was created on day 3, before man, and Genesis 2 seems to be saying that vegetation didn't exist before man. Which is it? Due to the word order and structure of the sentence in Genesis 2, it's evident that the reason no, quote, shrub of the field and plant of the field, end quote, had grown was because there had been no rain or man to till the ground. So these particular types of plants required both. I say these particular types because Genesis 2 mentions two types of plants that aren't mentioned in Genesis 1, suggesting that whatever these were, they were different types of plants that were designed specifically for man to tend. Biblical scholar Michael J. Kruger wrote, be assured that there is no contradiction between Genesis 2.5 and Genesis 1, because Genesis 2.5 is speaking of entirely different types of plants. It is only these particular plants, plants designed for mankind, that will spring up after man. Another common misunderstanding occurs because Genesis 1 says that animals were created on day 6 before man. However, Genesis 2.19 states, so the Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. So did the man already exist when God made the animals? The short answer, no. In Hebrew, there is no separate pluperfect verb tense. This means that distinguishing chronology isn't quite as simple in Hebrew as it is in English. Here's an example John Lennox gives in his book, Seven Days That Divide the World. Jim bought a car. He drove it home. You ask where he keeps it. Well, he built a garage to put it in. He built the garage when he brought it home? No, the garage was actually already there. That fact could have been made clearer in English by using the pluperfect tense, he had built, rather than using the simple past tense, he built. There is good reason to translate these verses in the pluperfect tense, as the NIV and ESV have. God had formed the animals and brought them to man, instead of God formed. There's no chronological disagreement here. When we hear a skeptical claim about the Bible, sometimes it's easy to simply go with the flow, throw up our hands, and say it just doesn't matter. Investigation takes hard work, but in my years of study, I have learned that if we will put in the effort and energy, we will find that the one who needs correcting is always us, not the Bible. If you enjoyed listening to this blog post, you can sign up to receive my posts by email by going to alisachilders.com and clicking the subscribe button. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.